Welcome to episode 119 of the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Beth Bilo, and I am really grateful that you have chosen to spend this time with me. Whether this is your first or your 119th episode or somewhere in between, I hope you hear something that will make you smile, spark an insight, improve your business, and maybe even change your life. With this episode, we start getting back into new interviews, which I'm really excited about. And this week's conversation will spark some thoughts, I hope, about how your work, no matter what it is, intersects with art and creativity. We even include an exercise that you can easily do that is not only creative, but highly practical and potentially transformative. Before we turn to the conversation, I have three quick things that I want to share with you. First, I had an experience earlier this week that made me think of you, my introvert friends. I had a very full day, including a total of four hours of driving, four hours at a professional development and networking event, then facilitating the sixth and final virtual book group discussion. By the time 5.15 rolled around and I ended the book group call, I was pretty tired. But there was another event that I wanted to attend that evening. My husband declined to join me, which didn't surprise me. Being an introvert himself, he is protective of his time and energy, and he too was exhausted from his day. So I let myself imagine two scenarios. One, going home and crashing. (laughs) Or two, mustering up the energy to go to the evening event. I realized that either way, I was going to be tired later. So I decided not to go home, to treat myself to breakfast for dinner alone at a nearby diner, and then go to the event. And once there, I didn't force myself to be social. I just showed up, I listened to the presentation, I chatted a little bit with one person before I left, and then I left. I ended up being glad that I went, um, that I pushed through, and that I said yes. I share this experience because we introverts work so hard at learning how to say no And it's equally important that we learn how to say yes on our own terms. We can often talk ourselves out of doing something we want to do when doing the thing would only be a mild dent in our energy. We imagine it's going to be so much more taxing than it really turns out to be. And I don't know about you, but I've probably missed some really good lectures and concerts and other enriching, but optional activities, because I believed it would be too tiring, even if I had no real evidence to support that belief. At those times, I need to remember that it's like going to the gym. The hardest part is getting out the door. But once I do, and I get to the gym, I'm glad I went. It's not always the right choice to say yes, though. If you know me, you know that I'm a big advocate of saying no when you really want to say no, especially to social outings that will stretch you almost to the point of breaking. The point here is to notice that you have a choice, to acknowledge that choice. If you choose no, feel good about it. If you choose yes, feel good about that. Sometimes it's a stretch of the comfort zone to say no because you feel like you might risk disappointing someone or you might risk experiencing FOMO or fear of missing out. That no is something that we do need to practice because it's part of how we take care of ourselves and our energy. But as I said before, selectively saying yes is also a stretch worth making. 
Just make the yes your choice, not a yes because you feel like you should. That little shift can make all the difference. The other two things I want to share are two offerings that I want to tell you about. First is that I've posted new dates for the next round of virtual book group discussions about my latest book, The Introvert Entrepreneur. I'll be offering the six-week program three times between now and December, and the first group will begin on August 3rd. The enrollment period will open on July 18th, and space is limited to six participants. Having a small group means we'll get to have meaningful interactions with one another, which is something that introverts love, of course, and be able to offer support as we take action to strengthen ourselves as business owners, as professionals, and as introverts. You can visit theintrovertentrepreneur.com backslash book group to read more about how it works and see what others have to say about their experience in the book groups that I facilitated this spring. I'll share that link in the episode show notes. And thanks to those of you who submitted feedback about possible mastermind groups, I'll be starting two in September. One I'm calling the wildcard group, since the topics for discussion are open to whatever is going to move you and your business forward. The second mastermind group is focused on public speaking. If you want to improve your speaking skills, practice new material, brainstorm about topics, learn about how to tell you more stories in your presentations, and even get feedback from group members about everything from your PowerPoint presentation to negotiating your fees, this group is for you. You can find more information at theintrovertentrepreneur.com backslash mastermind. Both groups start in early September, and applications will be accepted starting in early August. You can sign up to be on an email list to stay in the loop with updates about either the mastermind groups or the virtual book groups by visiting my website. And now on to our conversation. I'm happy to welcome Fred Mandel to the show. Fred has earned a reputation as a highly innovative business leader, author, widely collected sculptor, and painter and leadership provocateur. He has helped thousands of individuals and their organizations internationally to develop their creative skills and enhance their personal and professional growth. In 2014, Fred launched the not-for-profit organization, the Global Institute for the Arts and Leadership. Its mission is to create a more peaceful, sustainable, and beautiful world by developing positive, transformational leaders through the arts worldwide. You'll find information about how to connect with Fred, as well as links to his Introvert Island book selections, in the episode show notes at theintrovertentrepreneur.com. Hi, Fred. Welcome to the Introvert Entrepreneur podcast. I am delighted to be chatting with you today. Uh, Thank you, Beth. I'm excited to be part of the conversation. Well, what is making you smile today? Uh, actually, your question just made me smile. <laughs> uh, it made me pause and think, and that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. I always find that it's it, it, it brings a smile all by itself and uh, get, gets us to focus on something that's like, yeah, what is good that's happening for me? Oh, yeah. You know, so beyond that, uh, what brings smiles to my face are my grandkids, mm. you know, a bunch of them, and uh, that's really wonderful. and. Uh, what also brings a smile to my face when I have an opportunity to uh, talk to interesting people about interesting things. Yes. Stimulating conversation. <laughs> Always good. Good. 
Well, I'd love to give listeners some context before we jump into the heart of our conversation um, about where you consider yourself to fall on the introvert-extrovert spectrum, and how has the awareness of where you are on that spectrum influenced your professional path? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Uh, you know, when, when you work in a large corporate, my, my background includes 21 uh, years at American Express and senior leadership roles. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you work in a large corporation, they're always giving you tests and assessments for all sorts of things. I, I remember the in-basket, the 360 feedback, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, so I'm sure uh, your listeners are familiar with uh, Myers-Briggs. Yes. Uh, one of the tests I took early in my career at American Express, and I came out as an INTJ. Mm. So that made me a one percenter, at least in terms of Myers-Briggs. Yeah. Um, I've since migrated. I've taken the test again since I left the corporate world, and I'm now an INTP. <laughs> uh, but there is no escaping the I. No matter where <laughs> exactly. I <am>. <laughs> That's the consistent. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I think my INTJ status has made me a member in good standing of the introverts of the world club. <laughs> there yes. is such a thing. I do. Uh, you know, before I took the test, I knew there was something wrong with me. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't want to be with a lot of people all the time. Mm -hmm. I only spoke at meetings when I thought I had something useful to contribute. You know, nonetheless, I found myself in increasingly senior leadership roles, uh, even though I wasn't a natural schmoozer, let's say. Sure. Um, I was told I had a strong element of social versatility, so I could counterbalance some of my natural tendencies toward introversion. Mm -hmm. The most interesting thing about you know, b being aware of being an introvert is that you learn what, what you need in order to function at a high level, and you pay attention to it, and you find mm -hmm. ways to accommodate it. The other thing I learned is that when you share your introvert condition mm -hmm. uh, with others, they appreciate it, especially when you tell them that they may see you behaving in certain ways and they shouldn't get alarmed. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> that's just part of the inner introvert kind of asserting itself. Yes. Um, the only other thing I'd say, and this doesn't come from Myers-Briggs, but I do believe that introverts are naturally more adept at reflection. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if there is research on that. This is just my own personal hunch. And I've learned how important reflection is and how it contributes to uh, learning and perspective and how that really makes an important contribution to high-performing teams. So I think all those kind of things that I learned about being an introvert made me move from someone who was self-conscious and uncomfortable with that and thinking mm -hmm. that made wrong with me to someone who saw the actual benefits of being an introvert. Yeah. And I think your hunch is right about introverts and reflection. It does tend to be something that we are drawn to and do naturally, I think, because our orientation to the world is more from the inside out. And since we're relating to things from the inside out, we tend to go inward first to kind of do a check-in there, you know, to, to see what do I think, what do I feel, and and then we will put that out. So I think that reflection piece is something that is um, comes naturally to a lot of introverts. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's my experience, and, you know, d directly, personally, and... Um, when I have conversations with other people who I have a hunch is, are introverts, mm -hmm. um, there's kind of a natural acknowledgement, I think, of the role of reflection, not simply for its own benefit, mm -hmm. but because it becomes a source of self-renewal yes. for introverts. 
Absolutely. It's it's almost as essential as breathing. And, you know, we, we have to be aware, and, and I appreciate that you said being aware of what our introvert tendencies are and then being able to communicate those to others can be really beneficial because it helps them to understand us and to say, there's not anything wrong with me. This is just my modus operandi. And, and how I naturally show up. Yeah, and it could be fun because mm-hmm. then you, you, know, you kind of make it a source of social interaction, storytelling, yes. and it just uh, breaks the ice. Yes. I'm often encouraging people who say, how can I bring this up or how do I let people know how I operate? And I say, you know, use the whole, the the conversation about introversion that has literally, you know, ex- well, I shouldn't say literally exploded, but, you know, <laughs> metaphorically exploded um, over the past five years or so and say, you know, I just read this article and I found myself resonating with this, that, and the other thing, you know, so use the the media and all the stories as a hook to bring it into conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, you and I met about a month ago. We're talking on, on June 9th, a little over a month ago, and, and talk about introvert, um, you know, stretching. Um, I w- we were both speaking at the Financial Planners Association retreat in Phoenix, and I had just presented that morning, and I admit I was tapped out. You know, I was sort of at the end of my bandwidth. But I saw your workshop, and it was three hours, <laughs> and I was like oh my goodness, you know, what do I do? What do I do? And I stretched myself to go. um, And I'm so glad I did because rather than, you know, something that tapped me out completely, it actually energized me. And one of the things that you shared during that workshop was the transformation that you had personally experienced in your career over the past 10 years. If I remember right, you said, uh, if someone had told you 10 years ago, when you were deep in your career as a financial services executive, that you'd be standing in front of a room of your peers and talking about creativity and values and purpose you would have said, that's crazy. <laughs> um, am, I, am I remembering that right? <laughs> I hope. Uh, yeah. I, you, you, you rang the bell on that one. Okay, that's good. <laughs> well, that really stood out to me and um, because I hear that story so much, and that's something I want to circle back to before we finish our conversation. But what is the story of your transition from going from that executive role to talking about creativity, values, and purpose, and, and the arts and leadership and other topics with folks? Yeah, well, it wasn't a short uh, transition, but I did have a pretty good 21-year career in financial services. And by pretty good. I mean, I got to work with and learn from terrific people, and I got to pursue questions that interested me and to build businesses and to put my personal imprint on things. And that was pretty wonderful during that time. But in my early 50s, I did begin to feel stuff kind of roiling around inside of me. Mm -hmm. I thought I didn't fully understand what that was saying to me, so I thought I needed to pay attention to it. And on a whim, don't ask me why, but I enrolled in a sculpture workshop. Uh, I hadn't actually taken an art class since the seventh grade, but it gave me a chance to explore and to express a different part of myself, and I became kind of hooked on it. So after a couple of years of taking these workshops, I had a one-person show of my bronze sculptures, and people actually began to put down good hard cash for the pieces. So I decided, uh, oh my goodness, there's something bigger here, and I decided to step away from the corporate world to pursue my interest in art in a much more serious way. I didn't think I'd become a full-time artist. That was not my interest, but I, I felt I needed to follow wherever that was leading. Mm-hmm. So I've actually seen the last of the corporate world. I pursued the art, and along the way, 
aside from my artwork, I did some research, and lo and behold, I began to see that what I thought were pretty powerful parallels between the challenges an artist faces in creating a body of work over time and the challenges that business leaders, entrepreneurs face in creating a business over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also began to do a lot of research on the great masters, you know, their lives, their working process, and I noticed that the very skills that artists needed to develop in order to truly be creative are actually the very same skills that leaders need in order to navigate change in the modern world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I began to put together uh, arts-based workshops, leadership development programs, bringing those two together, and that's how I got back and engaged in the corporate world, but in a very different role, more as a leadership Provocateur. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> provocateur. Yeah. And I would say it was, you You were provocative. And to the point where I remember one of those, the moment in the workshop when I thought, I'm sitting here in a group of maybe, I don't remember how many, I, I, I'm bad at estimating numbers, but I would guess between like 50 and 75 people maybe that were at that workshop. And you had them up and moving around, moving intuitively and almost dancing hugging spontaneously, crying in some cases from just um, relief, revelation, um, astonishment. (laughs) Um, I thought it was miraculous. And so it's like you have really, I I believe you've really tapped into something where the way you're expressing it because of your corporate background, you're able to express things and, and understand and have empathy for where they're at and bring that art to them. Yeah, you know, I mean, we tend to be um, highly focused and specialized when we think of ourselves as entrepreneur as, or business people, mm-hmm. we get so focused on the tasks of making that enterprise successful that we sometimes forget that business is about life yeah. and life is about business mm-hmm. and we can't separate those two things. And the people who I know are most successful are the ones who try to integrate their full authentic selves into the work of the work of the business. So you really can't separate those two things. And what that means is you can't stop asking the basic important questions of why am I here, why am I doing what I am doing, what impact and contribution do I want to make to the world, and how do I do that? And how do I do that in a way that energizes the people who are part of my business, mm-hmm. who benefit from my business, uh, and the greater community. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, one of the great things about this country is the way in which it has encouraged entrepreneurship uh, and the way entrepreneurship is an expression and an extension of who we are as individuals. So when we talk about art, Art is really a way to express ourselves. When Mm -hmm. we talk about business, I really believe that business is a canvas that allows us to express ourselves in a different way. Yeah. It's the manifestation of, I got to be me, (laughs) you know, in some way. I want to circle back for just a second to what you said about the research you did and and what you noticed about the intersection or the, the overlap between the things that were important to an artist being successful and things that were important to a leader being successful in business. What were a couple of those things that you saw that they shared in common? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think to begin with, uh, a business or an entrepreneurial enterprise 
is a blank canvas, or if it's not an entirely blank canvas because it's been around for a while, we know that what's next is unknown Mm -hmm. because all kinds of things could get thrown at us. We're living in a world of rapid change, of significant radical disruption. So an artist, uh, a traditional artist, is very comfortable with stepping into the unknown and creating from that. And I also believe that uh, great business people and entrepreneurs understand that they do not have the answers to what's next. So Mm -hmm. they also need to develop a comfort level where they embrace uncertainty and learn to function effectively in that unknown space. So in that sense, the task of both an artist and a business leader are similar. It is to give expression to and create value through the unknown. And therefore, it begs the question, well, what kind of skills and attitudes do I need in order to become effective in that kind of a context, Mm -hmm. social, political, economic context? Uh, And the skills that we need today, I believe, are very, very different than the ones we needed 20, 25 years ago, where organizations were much more hierarchical, Mm -hmm. structured, planful. The world in which we lived in back then was very different. The world we're living in today is much more fluid and complex, uh, and therefore it just requires a different set of skills that I think are much more akin to the skills of the great artists. Yeah. Well, you might be answering my next question then, (laughs) but I'm going to go ahead and share it anyway, because I have a feeling there's a twist to it, because you serve as the CEO of the Global Institute for Arts and Leadership and um, through which you've gathered a worldwide network of artists and leaders and entrepreneurs and academics, researchers and consultants um, who believe in the power of the arts to lead positive transformational change in our organizations and our societies. What is that positive transformation that you hope to stimulate through your work at the Institute? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Big Uh, question, huh? (laughs) Short question is we want to change the world. But the Global Institute for the Arts and Leadership, uh, we're committed to unlocking the extraordinary in leaders. And we do this by challenging them with the big questions and pushing beyond the easy answers. So the way we do this is we leverage the arts and art making to bring leaders and their organizations deeper and further in the service of both financial and social success. We believe there is an interdependence between financial success and making a contribution to a more beautiful world. It's Mm -hmm. as simple as that Mm -hmm. and complex. So we believe we're in an entirely new world characterized by radical disruption, as I mentioned, you know, complexity, speed, all that kind of crazy stuff. Uh, And if we keep doing what we've been doing in the ways that we've been doing it, I believe we, as a species, are in great peril. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I also believe we have the capacity for hope and possibility. And the way we change is by developing extraordinary leaders to do extraordinary things. And we develop that through a portfolio of, at this point, groundbreaking and proven approaches to this work. So we use art-based learning, and we've been able to demonstrate that through three hours, ten hours of art-based training, uh, we positively impact in dramatic ways a whole bunch of skill sets that help leaders be more effective. So once folks go through our training, by objective measures, they're better at problem solving. They engage in more innovative thinking. 
They're more collaborative. They demonstrate a greater empathy. They're better at divergent and convergent thinking. They're more disciplined, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we've been able to document this through the work that we've done with organizations. I don't want to put you on the spot with making you think of something off the top of your head, but I'm guessing you have lots of examples. Um, you know, for somebody who's listening who wants to tap into something creative or artistic to get closer to what's most important to them, like all those why questions that you were asking before. Do you have a simple exercise that somebody can do on their own that would um, help them, you know, again, get closer to that why? Um, I don't know if uh, you are putting me on the spot. So let, <laughs> let, let me try something. Uh, I don't okay. know if this will work or not. But so I don't know if the listeners may be familiar with the sense of, uh, of what a collage is. Mm-hmm. But a collage is, you know, gathering together random kinds of material and pasting it together in kind of interesting ways. So I would throw out to your listeners the idea of doing two collages. Collage number one is create a collage that expresses how you see yourself today. Mm-hmm. Represent yourself today. Collage number two is kind of reflect and think three years down the road. Mm-hmm. Create a collage that reflects the kind of a person you want to be over the next three years. Uh, and then I would su- suggest that you look at those two collages. In what ways are they different? Mm-hmm. In what ways are they aligned? In what ways are they out of alignment? Uh, and what happens as a result of that is when you use nonverbal ways of expressing yourself, it develops insights that you would not get to if you exclusively used verbal communication. And it opens up pathways for you to identify ways to grow and develop as a person. Yeah, I love it. It's a, it, it seems like it's a variation on the vision board piece. And what I appreciate is that you include the where are you now? Yes as well as where do you want to be so you can see a little bit more viscerally what the what the difference is where you're headed exactly so you know one of the things that we need to develop and it's an ongoing battle but to develop this sense of Mm self-awareness and in order to be self-aware we need to tear down the walls of protectiveness self-protection and we need to get to a point where we are okay with being vulnerable yes. and feeling exposed to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Once we do that, we could be honest with ourselves in a very different way, and that opens up a rich, rich set of possibilities. Yeah, what you just said made me, I had this little light bulb moment of we talk so much about vulnerability, and we usually are pointing it towards, like, I am vulnerable with others. But are yeah. we also turning that on to ourselves and saying, am I being vulnerable enough with myself? Am I being honest and raw and truthful? Yeah, because you know, change is very, very difficult, uh, and it doesn't always come naturally. We become very comfortable in uh, who we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, underneath that, we may have a sense that we're not all that we can be. Mm-hmm. You know, so when I wrote my book a few years ago called Becoming a, a Life Change Artist, I interviewed well over 100 people who made significant changes in their life. And the subtitle of that was, you know, how to reinvent yourself. Mm -hmm. And what I discovered through these interviews was it was really not a matter of reinventing yourself or changing. 
Mm-hmm. Opportunity for us is to become more whole as a person. Yeah. So I no longer use the word of you know change or mm-hmm. reinvention. That can be kind of intimidating. Mm-hmm. But to get connected with parts of myself that are less developed or that I've neglected or sort of tamped down mm-hmm. and give those dimensions of myself an opportunity to come to the surface, come to the light of day, and for me to engage with them and develop those, that's how you become more whole as a human being. Uh, and that's a much more hopeful journey. Yes. And that's so in line with Carl Jung and his work about um, integration of the selves, which kind of brings us back to the introvert piece, since he's the, the father of the introvert-extrovert dynamic. So I love that we come full circle to talking about wholeness and bringing all those pieces into play. Yeah. I wish we had longer to chat <laughs> because there's so much to cover. And, um, but I want to leave uh, listeners with a final advice from you. And, and this is coming from where I've noticed clients and others struggling a bit. What advice do you have for someone who, who's listening to this and feels that pull towards more creative work? but they think that it's impractical or unrealistic or just out of reach. And usually when we say unpractical or unrealistic, we think I can't make any money at it. Um, but I don't want to make that assumption because I know that it's, it, it's often way more complex than even just that. What advice would you have for someone who's in that position? Yes, yes, yes. Another great question. You know, so I, I think one of our atrophied muscles is our ability to really listen to ourselves and to reflect on what we're hearing. Mm-hmm. We kind of talked about this a little bit before. We have to acknowledge that we feel the crush of demand on our schedule. Um, And the impracticality is often related to our belief that we can't afford to take the time to try something new or it's not going to lead to revenue to support myself. And I suggest, you know, just the opposite, that you cannot afford not to engage in that kind of creative work uh, because the benefits are actually tremendous. I mean, not only in terms of fun, learning, energy, insight, all that good stuff. But I believe that the benefits actually accrue back to your business. As I think about it, you know, research has actually shown that innovation occurs at the intersection. That is the intersection of different disciplines, different fields, etc. Mm-hmm. And if we stay self-contained within our professional field, there's no place for new ideas to come in. Mm-hmm. So by giving yourself the gift of creative engagement in something that is actually very different from your business, you'll find payback in the form of breakthrough thinking and innovative ideas for your business. I can't tell you how many times I've worked with executives and brought them into that intersection space. Uh, And it doesn't mean that you're going to drop your pencil and pick up a paintbrush. (laughs) Right. There are ways to re-energize your business, to innovate in your business, that is uplifting, creative, but it doesn't happen by staying self-contained within a discrete discipline. You need to be exposed to other ways of thinking, to other ways of doing, to other ways of exploration and discovery in order to bring that back into the business or even to open up new pathways uh, for you to pursue. So for me, the idea of not engaging in some kind of creative activity is a way of assuring stagnancy in your business. Agreed. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, and it, that sounds like it's so much your story. You know, you, you took that sculpting class not to say, I want to become a sculptor. I always come back to this phrase, I am open to outcome, not attached. And to just let yourself show up in those creative spaces and just see what happens and trust that the intersection is going to benefit you in one way or another. And it might be in very unexpected ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of research that shows that they did a uh, comparative study of Nobel science winners and ordinary uh, scientists. Mm -hmm. And they discovered that Nobel Prize winning scientists were 22 times more likely to engage in an art-based activity outside of science mm. than your regular average scientist. Mm. That just gave me like little chills. <laughs> uh, and that's pretty powerful because yeah. you know, these are high-performing uh, individuals and yet they find the time uh, to engage in this other creative uh, activity outside of their professional discipline. And what does it lead to? Mm -hmm. It leads to all kinds of insights that they bring back into their science uh, and that lead to breakthrough thinking. It also energizes them and keeps their passion alive and, yeah. uh, and sustains their efforts. So um, there is, a, you know, from my own work uh, and from research, uh, there is an unquestioned body of evidence that we need to find ways to step outside of our own domain and engage in creative activity in order to benefit our domain and, in fact, to keep ourselves highly energized. Yeah. And one thing to say real quickly is, and we haven't touched on it, and I know we need to wrap up, but um, that when we're talking about art and creativity, we're not talking about perfection. We're not talking about being the next Leonardo da Vinci. It can be messy. It can be organic. It can be, you know, primitive. The point is to express yourself in a very, in a very different way that's, like, not as linear as we are used to doing in our daily lives. A absolutely. Absolutely. For, to rest assured, uh, anyone who's listening who says, you know, I draw stick figures. <laughs> and and what's what's the point of that? Well, the point is that it's still an expression. Yeah. And, and, and you know, some people are going to end up startling themselves yes. that when they engage in this, you know, like anything else, art, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not simply talking about visual arts. The, you mm -hmm. know, this could be playing a musical instrument. It could be writing yeah. poetry, it could be movement or dance or whatever it happens to be. You actually become better when you do it. You, mm -hmm. you become better when you practice <laughs> Isn't it. that a mind-blowing concept? <laughs> yeah, it, it's so simple, yet we are all initially intimidated, Yes, myself included, mm -hmm. because I was your average stick-figure drawer before I started taking these art classes. I had great patient teachers. I dedicated myself to it. I am by no means Picasso, Rembrandt, or whomever, <laughs> but I've made measurable progress in my command of the materials, in my ability to um, translate that into uh, interesting visual images. And I just believe that everybody has the capacity to grow in the creative ways in which they can express themselves. Yeah. Well, I'm going to include a link, of course, to your um, your book on the program show notes and um, and hoping I'll be able to find, and if you've got any recommendations, um, some other resources that if people want to explore this more and get some practical exercises and support, um, that they can have some starting points for that. Great. So, so let's wrap up with a question I ask all my guests. 
and that is if you were granted a three-week vacation on Introvert Island and you could take only three books with you, what would you take with you and why? Um, so the underlying premise of uh, the books is that we are all on a journey uh, and that life is a journey and the journey is home. Mm. Uh, so the books that I would uh, bring with me would be Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey. Mm-hmm. I would bring George Eliot's novel, Daniel Deronda, because that's a journey of self-discovery and identity. Uh, and then back to the spirit of the need for reflection, I would bring Ecclesiastes. Mm-hmm. Nice. Those are all very introvert friendly <laughs> and self <laughs> self awareness building choices. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, Thank all, you. All books are introvert friendly. They are. I know. They're our escape hatch from the world. Yeah. <laughs> well, what is the best way for people to connect with you and learn more about your work and the Global Institute and your books? Uh, great. So uh, the website for the Global Institute is www.artschangeleaders. Org. We're a not-for-profit organization, artschangeleaders.org, all one word. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best way to reach me through email is fred at fredmandel.com. Mm-hmm. And if they want to check out some of my books, you know, go to Amazon. Uh, I mentioned Becoming a Life Change Artist, and uh, just last year I published my most recent book called Can Art Save Us? I love that, and I think it can. <laughs> I, I'm guessing that's the answer, but <laughs> we have to read the book to find out. <laughs> right, right. Like all great art, uh, the answer to that question is we will see. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. It's like yes and no. <laughs> so yeah. great. Well, thank you so much, Fred. It's been a true uh, a pleasure. I've enjoyed this immensely, and, uh, and I know that people are going to find great value in this. So thank you for taking time to, to join us. Okay, super. Thanks for having me, Beth. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. I hope you found as much inspiration in listening to Fred and his insights as I did. When you check the show notes, you'll see a few extra resources that I found useful when it comes to injecting more creativity into my life. And of course, in addition to those links, you'll also find links to the virtual book group and introvert entrepreneur mastermind information. Take a look. And if you're interested, sign up to receive updates as I roll out more details over the summer. And I promise, I'll only email when there's something new to share. Just like all introverts, I only will talk to you when I have something to say. (laughs) So no spam from me. If you enjoy this podcast, I invite you to share it with your friends and colleagues and to take a moment to leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or on whatever platform you access it from. Your review will help someone else discover this podcast. So thank you so much in advance for your consideration. Also, thanks to my podcast producer, Paul Messing, and my assistant, Naja, for the episode show notes, and to you for spending this time with me. Next week in episode 120, I'm sharing an energizing conversation that I had with Kate Brubaker, founder of Small Planet Studio. We'll touch on what it takes to be a location-independent entrepreneur, as well as the value of travel for both work and pleasure. This is Beth Bilo of The Introvert Entrepreneur, and until we meet again, remember that success is an inside job.